Hey everybody, it's Tony Moore. I'm your host at Winning at Work. This is episode 78. You might have noticed on LinkedIn or iTunes, Spotify, wherever you listen to this, I've been publishing a lot more frequently because I've had a huge backlog. I've had a lot of guests come on. I've had a huge surge, if you will, of new guests in the food and beverage space. There's so much happening right now in food brands, in restaurants that People just want to come on and talk and not just promote their brand, but promote the cause, the mission, and what are they trying to accomplish. And it's great because we can educate people within the food and beverage space, but beyond the food and beverage space, this is a learning and development podcast. And you're coming here to learn from these brilliant people what they're doing to make their lives, make the world better. And I have waited over a month to publish this episode, but I've had so many other great guests stacked up in front of him that I am just now ready to release this episode to the world. And I am very excited to introduce to everyone, Matt Prindeville. Matt is the CEO and chief solutioneer at Upstream. I came to know Matt through some industry publications and my own self, my own family, We've always felt like it was just a horrible idea to go into the uh, drive-through or get some takeout food, and you're literally throwing away paper, plastics, all the utensils, everything they give you for a takeout meal. And obviously, with COVID, the pandemic, it drove everyone to takeout. So the amount of waste that has been occurring is off the charts right now. It is spiking. However, Matt and his solutioneers at Upstream have a brilliant idea and companies are already doing this. They are creating what is known as the reuse service company. You're going to be exposed to what the future is going to look like. This is not a future podcast. This episode is a future podcast. You are going to hear this. Some of you for the very first time, you're going to go, I remember I heard about this on a podcast. This is it. This is that episode right now that you're going to look back and think that's where it started. It started with the organization upstream. It's starting with other organizations that are out in California that are kind of pioneering these ideas and they will spread across the country And you are going to discover the reuse service company idea concept to do away with the disposable lifestyle and transition into reuse. And interestingly, Matt, fantastic storyteller and really walks us through the history of how America started. You know, we were very thrifty. It's going against human history to spend so much time and money and energy to make something to simply throw it away. We used to be good stewards. And now we've got all this planned obsolescence. So what's the solution? How do we create this new world, this new environment? Well, Matt Prindeville has some great ideas and many companies are starting down this path. So, So excited for you guys to meet Matt. 
and hear the ideas. And please be sure you are sharing this episode far and wide. If you're new, this is your first time, please subscribe. You can subscribe on iTunes, Spotify. If you're getting this, if you're seeing this on LinkedIn, share it within your network because I want more people to be exposed to Matt and the ideas and all the other fantastic guests that appear on the Winning at Work podcast. Sit back, enjoy, and be prepared to have your mind blown. This uh, this topic, if, if people are not paying attention to the problem that we have with plastics, yep. you are completely asleep. And I'd like to give people a little bit about your background, yep. Matt. You are the CEO and chief solutioner at Upstream. Yep. And I'm going to go to your website because I, I really liked um, what you have there. And I, I'm going to read something from your website. So we've been hard at work for nearly 20 years, ideating, co-creating, and accelerating real-world practical solutions to plastic pollution and today's throwaway culture. We're yep. building a movement to make, quote, make throwaway go away, <laughs> business policy and cultural innovation. I love that. Make Throw away, go away. Matt, thank you so much for joining the uh, Winning at Work podcast. We're focused on food and beverage. It made so much sense for you to come down and, and talk to all of us. I read your article that recently came out in restaurant, uh, Nation's Restaurant News. And oh, I thought, fantastic. Absolutely. I thought we, we need to have this conversation. Um, there's a lot of unanswered questions out there. Yep, yep, absolutely. No, my pleasure. Great to be here. Oh, thank you very much. And so let's just start with defining the problem. Just honestly, how big is it? <laughs> well, you know, I think the problem that reels people in is is plastic in the ocean and plastic in the environment, right? So that's the that's what I kind of call the the gateway the gateway problem to getting people engaged is is really around around that. You know, folks have seen the images or they've they've though they've just experienced it in their own community of just you know roadside litter and the streets filled with garbage and then they you know they've seen the, the images of of the whales with their bellies full of plastic or the sea turtle with the straw up its nose and all of those things have created you know i think a groundswell of public support to address plastic in the environment. And I think we're recognizing just how much uh, of, of what we create um, is, is getting into the environment and we're starting to really understand the problems that it's causing. But, you know, for me, kind of plastic pollution is really just, it's a, it's a surface problem um, that is actually, you know, it's, it's a symptom of a much larger problem. And that problem is really overconsumption. Um, and I think that, that what really gets me excited is, you know, we're, you know, we're seven and a half billion people and growing on this planet. Um, and what we have to figure out is how do we get people what they want and need without, you know, generating all this waste because, you know, it creates too much pollution. It uses too much energy, uh, too many natural resources. Um, and, and it's not satisfying. I think that's the other thing that we we've, we've recognized after experimenting with this, you know, <laughs> gung ho <laughs> overconsumption economy for the last 50, 60 years is that, you know, we're kind of, a lot of us were continually stuck on, on the treadmill 
um, and, and not really kind of savoring, um, you know, the quality of life that we want because, you know, we're stuck in consumption mode all the time. And so, you know, I, again, I like to say plastics are kind of the gateway in, but, you know, when we, we, when you get to the root of what's causing really all of our environmental problems from climate change, water pollution, et cetera, you know, it really has to do with, you know, a, a consumption system, um, that is not sustainable long-term. I love that you clearly defined the plastic pollution is an effect. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. And so naturally you have to go back to the cause. That's right. And that becomes a much bigger challenge, if you will, because now you're dealing with people's minds, their hearts, their tendencies and yep. what they've just, <laughs> right. I mean, it's, it's that's right. be one thing to say, Hey, we're going to, we're going to go build some really cool autonomous uh, you know, cleanup devices, which, which we've all seen. They, they yeah, do that's work. Right. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. But you get more. It, yeah. it just, it keeps coming. That's right. Yeah. How yeah. in the world do you do this? How? <laughs> yeah. Well, it, 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 well, so, <laughs> it's, a, it's a great question, you know, and I, and I think that, um, you know, going again, back, back to the root cause, you know, for us, the, the root cause isn't, it's not single use plastic. It's really the concept of single use itself <laughs> that that for us is 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 the driver and this kind of throw away, one way throwaway linear model for consumption that is totally brand new to humanity, right? This is not how humans have existed <laughs> for thousands of years. If you go back to kind of the dawn of civilization, you know, the defining values for human civilizations and cultures anywhere you look in the world for almost all of human history has been thrift, right? It's, it's been, you know, make do with what you what you're able to uh, steward from from the planet, you know, make it go as long as possible, repair, you know, reuse, um, uh, et cetera, et cetera. And it was really only until you know the you know post post World War One, but especially post World War Two. Um, it start, you know, starting in a big way in this country. And then of course, exporting this model out to the world where we really started to come up, you know, advertisers and, and, and corporate America started to come up with these ideas of, of planned obsolescence. You know, we're going to, we're going to make stuff last, uh, a lot less long than it, than it, than it could because we want to sell people more stuff. And then the manufacturing of desire, right? The manufacturing uh, of wants, um, and some of that has to do with, you know, wanting all of the consumable products that, that, that we focus on. And of course, if you're looking at, at plastic pollution, primarily what we're talking about is consumable, you know, f to go food and beverage packaging. I mean, that's the, that's the, the lion's share of what we see in the environment. It makes up, you know, over two thirds of what we see, um, in the litter research and et cetera, et cetera. So, you know, it's not that we don't want people to to you know enjoy a Coca Cola or or have a candy bar or a Cliff Bar or whatever else whatever that you want. It's that we really need to start figuring out better systems where so that we're getting people what they want without generating these massive amounts of waste. And a lot of that has to do with rethinking the product delivery systems um, and moving away from this linear kind of one-way throwaway disposable model to to something better. Um, and we've got lots of ideas uh, and lots of projects that we're working on with folks across the spectrum uh, to make that happen. Well, I hope you can share some of them today. Now, obviously, some of it could be, you know, top secret or, you know, patented. And so we won't be able to get into those ideas. But hopefully you can trend out a few things that you think could be coming. But 
So I, I did a little research before we had our, our before our session today, and because my, my first thought was, all right, the um, the producers must think that it's cheaper because that's how consumerism works, right? You've got the capitalism element, right? So we're gonna it's cheaper to use this um, right. one time use product. So right. what's the science really behind, or or the math or economics, I should say? behind this decision? Yeah, it's, it's, it's a great question, right? Because, you know, up until, again, the middle, middle of the 20th century, the, the corporations that existed up until that point that were kind of what we think of as like the consumer goods corporations, right? The, the Coca-Colas and Pepsis that have existed for a long time now, you know, a lot of those, um, a lot of the food and beverage packaging was reusable packaging. <laughs> uh, you know, Coca-Cola, um, you know, popularized the, the bottle deposit, right? So the deposit, you know, and I know, you know, we've probably got folks that are listening that live in states with, with bottle deposits and, and then folks that live in states without bottle deposits. But that concept of of a of a merchant having a a product that they would sell in packaging that they owned and they would loan you the packaging on deposit this has been around since the dawn of civilization right this is like something that is you know very um natural and if you look back at all these different you know systems that humans have created over time the concept of you know the the manufacturer or the or the or the uh, producer owns the package and then they lease it to the consumer for a deposit and the consumer brings it back and they get they get their money back like that is something that is you know widespread has been widespread across human civilizations uh, since time immemorial and a lot of the big corporations this is how they used to operate right so you know coca-cola had you know regional bottling plants for example and they they you know had their deposit on their glass bottles a uh, lot all the all the the brewers, um, you know, did this at the beginning of the 20th century. And, you know, again, things really started to shift post-World War II. And I think what was happening and, you know, if you look at the history here, um, the war, the war effort, <laughs> you know, there, all of this work went into, you know, essentially getting every single scrap of metal that you possibly could, you know, from the housewives across the country to melt into bullets and guns and everything else. And, and we created this incredible, you know, military industrial complex that needed to get repurposed for civilian life um, once World War II ended. And that's when, um, you know, these these big corporations, uh, you know, the aluminum corp corporations, steel, um, paper, et cetera, that had been do putting all this work into the war effort, they had to retool around how do we create, you know, goods that consumers are going to want, packaged goods, packaging, et cetera, et cetera. And that glut of kind of production uh, was was what really started us moving away from reusable packaging towards this one way single single use throwaway packaging and some some folks have probably seen or maybe even remember um, you know back in uh, I think it was night in the in the 1950s there was a, a time life uh, magazine uh, uh, cover article about the throw it was literally titled the throwaway society or throwaway living. And it was, and it wasn't like what we what we think about it now, which is like a cautionary tale or a problem or something we have to address. It was celebrated, right? It was like all of a sudden the housewives of America aren't ever going to have to wash a dish <laughs> ever again. And this whole idea of you know um, this you can just use it and throw it away 
that really became popularized through the 50s and 60s and so the, and by marketers and advertisers. So it was really a, a deliberate attempt to kind of market this lifestyle. And it, it didn't stick at home, right? Because I think, you know, people just said, hey, this this eating off of a real plate versus eating off of a paper plate is a very different experience. But it certainly took off in fast food. It took off for all of the way that, that beverages and a lot of the packaged goods that we buy are, are sold to us. And then, of course, you know, we started to see like the massive uptick um, in litter, and and that led to you know the uh, an interest in, in getting some of these new bottle bill legislation for for beer and soda and things like that. Um, and it also started leading interest into you know what we think of as now okay we used to have you know trash but now we have uh, a recycling system right so a lot of this stuff kind of came to to clean up after. Um, kind of the mess <laughs> that happened when we moved away from kind of reusable packaging and, and, and you know, packaging really th thought of as a service as opposed to kind of packaging as a product and this kind of proliferation of all these one-way throwaway packages. Um, and so, you know, how do we inverse or, or reverse that system? You know, I think that, that we're seeing, uh, you know, the drivers for that are that the brands – um, and the food and beverage companies are recognizing that their 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 plastic products being throughout the environment everywhere you look in the world is is creating major risk for them right um, it's become a significant liability for them to have their branded products you know showing up on the beaches and rivers and streets of of every country in the world um, and the outrage from the public, not just in the U.S., but around the, around the world, around these things, has, has really, I think, motivated some desire to change. The other things that have happened is that this myth that kind of recycling is going to save us, that's really broken down, not just for the public, but it's also, I think, broken down for the brands themselves. When I was kind of participating in these conversations, you know, even five years ago and certainly 10 years ago, you know, the main focus was just how do we recycle more? How do we get more stuff from the garbage stream into the recycling stream? And I think what we've seen is that there's some significant limitations um, around that, right? Recycling um, is still you're still managing a, a product in these massive global supply chains <laughs> that has its own set of environmental impacts. And we also started to see that, you know, the recycling operations in China, you know, a lot of the places where that, that receive our recyclables, you know, they're some of the most polluted and um, destroyed parts of the planet uh, that exist, right? And a lot of the stuff that we thought was being recycled was actually just being burned or, or put into a landfill. And that's still the case today. And so I think that, that a lot of the brands are recognizing that we have to do things differently. And the other thing that's driving a lot of this is, is of course, all the, the focus, rightly so, and attention that's being paid on climate change and how do we do things in ways that are more carbon neutral in ways that actually, you know, are, are not energy uh, consumptive and setting up these new re reusable packaging systems and these new reuse systems. And I'm happy to, I'm excited to get into this with you in, in, in the podcast today. We've, we've been able to prove and show that that is, you know, always wins for the climate. It's like you hit a break-even point for the number of uses, and these systems just perform better for climate, for waste prevention, for um, water saved, uh, and, and also for money, which is another important thing that we want to get into because there's, real, there's also a business case to be made for this new reuse economy as well. Yeah, that's what I wanted to really hear and get into, but I, I want to just go back. You really did kind of blow my mind 
with that walk back through history because <laughs> I hadn't really given it the deep thinking that you naturally have been, but tying this all back into really a change in lifestyle and how it was marketed. And then of course, women joined the workforce. They had less time. And Absolutely. Absolutely. It, it just spiraled from there. It makes perfect sense to understand why we've gotten where we are. That's right. That's right. And and I think the I think the important thing that for people to understand is that we're, we're not advocating for going back to you know the nineteen nineteen forties. Like that's that's not what we're advocating for. But we we want to advocate and bring those values that have worked for humanity <laughs> for for thousands of years. We want to bring those values into the present, and we want to create the systems, the modern systems, right, that enable those values to 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 flourish this whole concept that we you know we always go back to this is kind of our catchphrase at upstream is getting people what they want and need without the waste you know we can design better ways to do that that are not only good for the planet they're good for business and they're also just more fun right it's just it's more it's it, it, it's you know the, the experience of drink of drinking out of, of of a ceramic coffee cup or a or a stainless steel coffee cup instead of a throwaway paper coffee cup with a with a with a little plastic lid it's a better experience Experience, right? And so how do we make it so that that isn't just kind of the purview of like the virtue signaling enviros that carry their, carry their reusable stuff everywhere, you know, for right, us, where their straw is dangling right. off of their keychain. That's right. That's right. For us, it's not about individual, um, you know, virtual signaling behavior. It's really about systems and systems that are designed, run and organized by business. Um, and, and so, you know, the, that, so that it's just the, that there's a new normal and that I, I, I want to, kind of just talk a little bit about that because usually it's it's hard for people to make this leap if they haven't if they haven't been exposed to it between kind of today's thinking about reuse which is it's all on the consumer to to what we're promoting which is which is the 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 new reuse economy of tomorrow where it's actually all on business and it's on it's on infrastructure municipal infrastructure private infrastructure it, the the way that I liken it is um you know just like you know when I when I was a kid we only had one you know one bin it was the trash bin right and then recycling came along right. and 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 now you can recycle pretty much anywhere you go right you can recycle at the office you can recycle you know when you're in the shopping mall uh when you're out in the city park, you know, there, there's recycling infrastructure that's everywhere to, to, to collect those, those recyclables. So the, the infrastructure of tomorrow is, is the, is this reuse infrastructure. And the way that, that I like to do is kind of start with the vision. And usually what I ask people to do is to kind of imagine their, their, their city square, their community square, right? And so you're, you're sitting there and you're, you're sitting on a park bench and you, and you start looking around and you notice that all of the restaurants, even McDonald's, <laughs> that there's no more disposable stuff being served for on-site dining, right? All that stuff is gone. And it's been replaced by real plates, real cups, real cutlery. And then you see people as they're taking their food to go, they're getting, you know, food t for takeout, or, or maybe they're getting a meal delivered to their home or their office building that it's in a reusable takeout container <laughs> that's been provided to all of those restaurants by what we call reuse service companies. And these are, these are companies that, um, you know, just like if I was a restaurant owner and I owned 10 different restaurants, uh, I would, 
you know, today I would contract with a company to provide me with however many, you know, either styrofoam or compostable kind of clamshell containers for, for takeout and delivery. Uh, in, the, in the city of tomorrow, I'm going to actually contract with a reuse service provider that's going to provide me the exact amount of, of, of clamshells that I need, but they're going to be reusable containers. <laughs> and so what that, what that company does is they go around and they pick up from the consumer and they pick up from all the drop-off locations, all the dirties, they take them to a dishwashing warehouse, wash them, and then redistribute them out to all the cafes. And so... The next, the next thing you see is that you go to the ballpark and everybody's drinking their beer out of reusable cups. Like it's, we're not throwing away all these single use plastic cups. And, you know, you know, we've changed the way that venues operate and school districts and college campuses. Like we've kind of wrung the single use stuff out of those places. And then we start working up the chain to kind of consumer packaged goods. And, you know, this is already starting to happen, right? So we're already starting to see um, even big companies selling their products in reusable containers that are then stewarded by a different set of reuse providers that can, you know, handle your, your dish detergent, your laundry detergent, your shampoo, your pet food, um, and on and on it goes. And, and when we, I always say that when, when Amazon starts delivering in reusable uh, packaging, that's when I can retire and go, go do, go do something else because mission accomplished, mission, mission accomplished. And, you know, usually what, when people say to me, Matt is like, okay, it sounds, sounds, great, but you know, what's the business case? How does this actually work in, in practice? Um, you know, is it truly in, environmentally sustainable to actually pick up all these things, wash them, you know, and get them, get them back out into service? And so, you know, I like to walk people through, you know, the environmental argument first and then get into the business case. The environmental argument is really very clear. Um, you know, reuse beats single use across every single environmental metric every time. <laughs> and essentially, it's about hitting a break-even point. So with the, with the use of, of stainless steel cutlery, for example, once you have washed that, that fork <laughs> twice it outperforms every other type of disposable cutlery that's on the market, plastic, bamboo, et cetera, et cetera, right? Uh, a, a reusable uh, clamshell container for uh, takeout and delivery, once you've washed and reused that clamshell container 14 times, it, it, it starts to just outperform and accrue environmental benefits each additional time it's used over the disposable items. And so we've been able to show on an environmental standpoint that, you know, the, the, the more you, the, you know, that reuse beats single use every time across the environmental metrics, climate pollution, waste, water, et cetera. On the business side, you know, what's really exciting is that for on-site dining, so, you know, you know, we think of a lot of, of, you know, you think about like fast casual restaurants or fast food or institutional dining, like the, you know, the kids' uh, school cafeteria or college, college campus, et cetera. A lot of these places are still heavily reliant on disposables. But <laughs> we've been able to show that, you know, by switching from single use to reuse, these businesses don't just save money like 60% or 80% or 90% of the time. They save money 100% of the time that there's a break even point. Once you've made, you know, you've made your initial capital investments in, in any, uh, reusables that you're going to purchase or any additional dishwashing costs, there's a break even point where you just start, you start, you just start saving money. <laughs> and we've got like hundreds of case studies through a project that my colleagues at Upstream, Miriam Gordon and Samantha Summer started in the, in the San Francisco Bay area called Rethink Disposable. It's worked with hundreds of restaurants, hundreds of food service 
uh, establishments, corporate campuses, college campuses, school districts. And we've proven that, you know, by making this transition, uh, you can save money. The next phase out is really about like that, that takeout and delivery infrastructure that I mentioned before. And here's, here's where the math, uh, lines up around that. So today, um, most most of these uh, reuse service companies haven't really scaled. They're all kind of startups in the U.S. This sector is very, very, very new here in the United States. It's a little more established in Europe, but it's very, very new here in the U.S. Um, and so the way the math works today is, you know, if you live in a state that hasn't banned styrofoam yet, I live in Maine, you can't use styrofoam containers anymore in the state of Maine or California and lots of states have, have passed these bans. If you live in a state that hasn't banned styrofoam, you can still buy a styrofoam clamshell for, you know, somewhere between three and seven cents, right? I mean, cheap, really, really mm -hmm. cheap. But if you ban styrofoam or if you require that the disposables be compostable, now you're talking a much higher price point. So those little happy brown boxes that you get at Whole Foods, those are actually more along the lines of 25 to 35 cents a piece. Um, so considerably more expensive um, than some of the, the, the plastics for that. So if a reuse service provider can come in and again, they, most of these businesses haven't scaled yet, but if they can come into a restaurant and say, Hey, I can't beat, you know, I can't beat the styrofoam and I, and for the compostables, like you're at 35 cents, but what if I could give you this product? It's 45 cents. Um, you know, and a lot of the, a lot of the reusable companies, like the price point right now is somewhere between, you know, uh, 40 to 50 to 55 cents, 60 cents per container. Um, but none of these places have scaled yet. <laughs> and so right. what they're, what they're relying on still, that's mm -hmm. right. It's in the infancy and they're really relying on, you know, you know, the, the, the people that want to do this because it fits with their brand. Um, so for example, you know, uh, we just had just salad, which is this great New York city, um, uh, uh, salad chain that is there in other states, other states as well, but New York is kind of the, the central, uh, central place where they're, where they're located. You know, they've been, doing their own reusable uh, bowl programs for their salad for takeout for a long time. They've also expanded into delivery now. And they're also contracting with one of these reuse service providers <laughs> called Deliver Zero to also help them um, in, in expanding uh, delivery in, in reusable containers for their products. And so we, you kind of need some of those early adopters to kind of get out in front and say, yes, this fits with our brand. This fits with the experience I want to give to my, my customers. And then those guys start to create the, enough of a scale so that the prices can start to come down. Um, and sometimes as well on the economics if if one of these reuse service providers and, and when I talk a reuse service provider in this case I'm talking about to go containers and I'm also talking about to go cups um, or cups for a venue for like a, a, a stadium or something a lot of the time what these guys are looking for is they're looking for an anchor client so they're looking for Madison Square Garden to say yes I'm signing up for your reusable uh, beer cup service and um, you know we'll do it for three years. That enables a company to make the investment in a in a in a what we call a ware washing or or you know, most people think of it as commercial dishwashing, but a, a ware washing hub. And then from there they can expand and start offering different services out to the community for restaurants, for to go containers or cups. And most of these companies 
are looking at it in terms of, you know, I, they want to take over a city, right? So they, you know, or, or a city block or part of a city. So, you know, it's kind of like, how do I get to scale quickly enough so I can justify the investment in the, in the infrastructure that I need to serve um, this whole area? And then you can take that cost savings because you've just got Madison Square Garden. You can go down to the pizza place and the, you know, the pub. That's and- right provide them the same service and it you know not at a not as a high a cost because you've got that wear washing that you that you've talked about you brought a couple things up and i i had some questions and i you started to answer them and i find it fascinating this new entrepreneurial space that you it's really kind of blown my mind that there is this you know reuse service company idea that's actually brewing and kind of forming. The first thought that came to me, there's a company here in Atlanta, uh, National Linen, and I think about all the all the restaurants, all the servers. You know, they all have their their aprons and their uniforms. Right. Well, there's already a program in place for that. That's right. That's right. It's the that's same the idea. First thing, yes, that's yeah. the first thing that hit me. I thought, yeah. One of these companies, they're gonna they're gonna be smart and they're gonna say, look, let's it's a line extension. Now we don't just do the clean white aprons and white shirts and and you know khaki pants. We're just gonna add this this line of reusables. It's it's the exact same idea, and you know the the other example that I you know we we often give the you know the the linen service to to the restaurants is like you know it's the same concept there, you know the other concept that we use to kind of explain how the consumers interact with the system is like the city bike system, right? So you know right. I, which I love when I travel, I love the the fact that so many cities now have have a bike sharing system that you know you get off the the subway system or you're walking around and hey. I, you know, I'd, I'd much rather ride a bike in the in the in the beautiful sunshine, you know, than than jump in a cab or an Uber, you know, especially if I'm going somewhere close, um, or just because I want to see you know see the city and I you know I'm done I'm done with my meetings for the day and here's a super enjoyable way to do that and this infrastructure is now throughout the city. It's that same kind of concept. So you know, just like you know when you walk down the city streets, there's usually a trash can and often a recycling bin. You know, you're going to see this new um, reuse infrastructure that's going to be there as well. So you know, the example I like to give is is, is coffee cups, right? So if you you know, you walk into your favorite coffee shop, you got to take your coffee to go. You forgot your reusable mug. This happens even to people like me that are kind of zealots about this stuff. Uh, you know, <laughs> yeah, I mean, they, you'd be the hypocrite, right? You can't, that's right. Show, Matt. I mean, people got have to be watching you, right? Oh man. I, I, I can't They're like, you know, I can't I show up water. Wait a minute. I can't yeah. drink out of plastic. No, nope, you no. Know? Nope. I mean, if, if any of that's, if, if, if a picture of me with a Starbucks, you oh know, throw, throw a cup you, got you on the be, internet. I'd be, be crushed. I'd be in, I'd be in real trouble. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, so the, you know, the, the, you know, I think there's, you know, for, I think there's a lot of people, you know, that are sustainably minded or they're, you know, they care about the environment. They're, they're doing their best. Right. But you have the situation where you, you show up and it's like, damn it, I forgot my mug or I forgot my water bottle. Like, what, you know, what do I do? And your only option today is disposables, but tomorrow in the city of, of, of tomorrow, you know, what we envision and what we're working towards is that every single cafe in the city of Atlanta um, is going to have a, a reusable a reusable cups that are provided to them by one of these reuse service companies. And and so when you, you, you know, let's say you and I are getting a cup of coffee and we're walking around, you know, we get our coffee from, you know, we were able to basically rent this cup 
Um, some, some businesses actually provide it totally for free to the consumer, but you have to kind of surrender your credit card. And if you don't, if you don't return the cup in three weeks, uh, you get charged for it. So there's different, um, different incentives to make sure that that, that, that cup gets returned. Um, whether it's a de- an upfront deposit, you want to get your money back or, you know, a penalty on the backside if you don't return it. But, you and I leave the coffee shop and we go, you know, walk to a different part of the city or we take the metro or the bus to a different part of the city. We're going to see a, a little kiosk, you know, a, a bin that is set up for all the reuse, reusable stuff that we can literally just drop it in. And, you know, I, I talked, I had a, a CEO fellow named Tom Zaki, who, who uh, is the CEO of TerraCycle, which is a pretty well-known uh, company in the, in the environmental recycling space. And, and out of TerraCycle, they started a reuse service company for uh, consumer brands and for fast food companies uh, called Loop Store, which is you know, really, really great for your, uh, your listeners to check out. And I had him on our podcast uh, several months ago, and you know he he t- he talked about it in a in a really engaging and innovative way, and I and I that's kind of this idea stuck with me that you know imagine that you're like you know in the drive through to you know get a, a hamburger at McDonald's and you get your hamburger and it's a, it's in a reusable box, so that's interesting. Okay, I get a reusable box to throw away. Okay, and then later on you drive to the grocery store and there's a kiosk where you can literally put your hamburger box <laughs> uh, from, from the morning into that box. You go into the grocery store, you, you buy some shampoo in a reusable container. You get home, you got a delivery from, you know, uh, something you've ordered online that's in a reusable container. You hand the delivery driver your dirty reusables and this this system just kind of perpetuates itself. And the other thing that's really exciting about this system, and this is something that I, that I, you know, I'm constantly talking to, to government officials and policymakers about. What's exciting about these reuse systems is that they are built around local and regional supply chains. Right. So most of the stuff that we get today that's part of the kind of one way throwaway model, it's like it's these are huge, like long supply chains that kind of stretch around the world. When you think about the materials that are involved and, you know, where the goods get created, where they get packaged, where they get shipped out to even consumables, like even food, like there's still and beverages, there's still quite long supply chains today. What's exciting about these reuse systems is that you shrink the supply chains, right? So all of these, like if the city of Atlanta were to were to start developing and expanding reuse infrastructure for to-go cups and and, and to-go um, uh, containers, all of that would be done in and around the Atlanta metro area. <laughs> and so you're creating jobs um, you know, in that area, and this is something that I, I love to say too. When the when the styrofoam folks, we're, we still advocate for things like plastic bag bans and styrofoam container bans. We don't have to do all the legwork on that anymore because all of that stuff has its own momentum now. But um, you know what we tell policymakers when the styrofoam folks come in and say you can't do this, you're going to cost jobs. Is well, that's. But there's one company that owns 80% of the market for styrofoam containers, and they have sh- they have squeezed every human out of that supply chain. And there's sure there are some jobs associated with it, but more than likely those jobs aren't going to be in your community. They're unlikely to be you know in your city. Um, but the alternative to that is creating this new reuse infrastructure around you know reusable to go containers and reusable cups. 
And that creates jobs in your city. That creates economic value, like in your community. And this is another place where we say, like, you know, it's not just opportunities for entrepreneurs, but it's also opportunities um, for 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 city for cities and for job creation. And the other thing that's really exciting about it that 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 you know only policy wonks like myself think about are. You know, there's a tremendous amount of money that goes into cleaning up litter. <laughs> I mean, a lot. Like when you think about the all of the the infrastructure that's dedicated to you know cleaning the streets, cleaning out the storm drains, you know, cleaning out um, you know the 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 streams and the rivers that are that are where all this stuff ends up. It's a lot of money for well, and then add the human capital on top of that, Matt. That's right. That's right. Yeah, that's right. And so if we can get more stuff out of the kind of garbage and litter flow, right, if we can get into this reuse flow and people say, well, how do you prevent the reusable containers and cups from getting into the into the, it to be litter as well? It all comes back to this concept of value. And this is why, you know, I remember um, one of the founders of Upstream when I when I first got hired, this was 10 years ago, she uh, she had me out. We, I was out in British Columbia. She was this big big time, you know, zero waste, um, uh, uh, charismatic thought leader in Canada. And, um, and she had me out to her house and, and I remember, um, sitting at the dinner table and she held up an aluminum can and she held up like this kind of garbage, like, like cookie, you know, wrapper. And she said, the reason why this gets recycled and this doesn't is because the aluminum can has value. <laughs> and this little wrapper here, this little, you know, cookie thing has no value at all. And so what we're doing with these new reuse systems is we're assigning value to those containers as a consumer. Like you don't want to, you don't want to get charged the, you know, the five bucks or 10 bucks for not bringing, you know, the, the cup back. You don't want to, you know, miss out on getting your deposit back um, if, if you're using that kind of system. And so those economic incentives, it, it can also be a rewards program. So it doesn't have to be an upfront yes. deposit. It can also be a rewards program as well. And that's, that's what hit me too, is that I, I yeah. think there's some opportunities for stickiness. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. The, um, one of the, one of the companies that, um, you know, uh, w that we're, we're big fans of is a company that, that, uh, today is called Globlet. They're actually going to rebrand for, for the U S and European market, uh, shortly. And I don't want to, I don't want to, uh, uh, spoil their, their, their rebrand efforts. Uh, so I won't say their new name, but the, they currently go by the name Globlet. And this is this is a young uh, Australian entrepreneur guy named Ryan Everton who who kind of kicked the tires in New Zealand and in Australia, and his reusable cup systems are used at ninety two percent of the events and the arenas um, in Australia and New Zealand. So the norm for the way that you get beer when you're out at a at a concert or you're watching a rugby match or a, or a, or a football or as we say a soccer match uh in, in in New Zealand or Australia is in a reusable cup that is the norm and so He's had a chance to kick the tires there, and he's and he's like, okay, you know, Australia's you know twenty some odd million people, New Zealand's four million people. I want to get into a three hundred thirty million person market in the U.S. and a and a five hundred fifty million person market in the EU. And so, you know, and so what, what's interesting is that he, they've explored all kinds of different ways for you know getting um, making sure they get their cups back um, at the event, whether it's a deposit system or a penalty system. But they found that the reward system is really great. Like it, you, you get if you you know if you return it, 
you know, you, you, you know, you return it so many times and it's in, and you're in the app, you, you get a free beer <laughs> that works remarkably well, <laughs> you know, amazing uh, surprise, surprise, right? Surprise, surprise. Um, so another yeah. Amber beer. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and, and another thing I would add is that, you know, there's a lot of tech, there's technology that, that, that's incorporated in this. And so, like I say that, you know, just like, you know, this isn't the kind of reuse systems of yesterday. This, these are really the, the reuse systems of tomorrow. And so some, many of these, uh, reuse service companies, uh, usually if they're, if they're, um, if they have uh, dishwashing infrastructure, a lot of them are relying on on robotic dishwashing technology. So they either own proprietary robotic dishwashing technology or they license it. Um, and so, you know, uh, to, to give an ex- to give an example, um, you know, one of these one of these companies uh, uses a proprietary reusable dishwashing technology that fits into a, a, a Gaylord trailer. So when you think about your, your average kind of tractor trailer, uh, uh, that's hooked up to a big rig, imagine that, but imagine that what that, what that, what's inside that trailer is, is a dishwashing factory and they can drive it around to events and have it be with their reusable cup system and they can wash a uh, hundred thousand cups in a day <laughs> through through this Gaylord trailer. So if you imagine, like you know, let's say you had two of those, uh, you know, parked out of of uh, you know a stadium um, for for you know for folks watching the watching the game, um, you can handle like all of the of the of the of the beer and soda that's consumed in cups in that stadium for sacrificing a couple of parking spaces in your parking lot. <laughs> so it's, it's pretty cool. Pretty cool. Well, it, it is really cool. And I, I know people are listening to this and, and they're probably thinking they want to get involved. Now, of course, as an individual, there's things that you can do. And, and we've kind of touched on that. And I think people understand, you know, how, you know, don't use plastic bags or, you know, kind of swap out, but in a broader sense, are there other ways that people can either connect with you or, you know, connect with the company or maybe work through the state legislatures to help encourage this type of activity? What can people do if they want to help? Yeah, thanks. Thanks for that question. You know, we, we would love for you folks to come visit us at, at upstreamsolutions.org. You know, please uh, consider signing up for our email list. Um, we send out weekly emails, and what what's fun? What's what's in those emails is every week um, we we launch a podcast, just like <laughs> just like the one you're listening to right now. Uh, it's always focused on the on the solutions to plastic pollution. So you're not going to hear on our podcast. You're not going to hear any really depressing stuff. You're going to hear the good stuff about you know the solutions um, in action from the entrepreneurs, from the kids, the activists, the policymakers that are out there creating this change in the world. We call it, these are our heroes. Like this is the way we think about our role at Upstream is it's really to support and empower, you know, the the kids, the entrepreneurs, the policymakers, the artists that that want to change the world. You know, we're here to provide you all with the tools um, and the ideas and the inspiration for how to do that. Um, and so, you know, love for you to follow us on, on social media. Um, you know, we're usually at Upstream Solutions on, on most of the, of the social media stuff that you'll find. Um, and then, you know, speaking like more granularly about what, what can you do beyond just kind of the, the, the garden variety stuff of, you know, I, I bring my reusable bags, I got my reusable water bottle, my coffee cup, et cetera, is to really get involved in your community, right? Um, and there's lots of different ways to do that. 
Um, one of the things that we've really been encouraging uh, community activists to do is to is to meet up and connect up with um, the people that are in your community that are working on kind of recycling or plastics or zero waste. A lot of cities and a lot of communities already have existing um, uh, uh, community infrastructure that's been built around recycling or that's built around kind of zero waste concepts. And if there isn't one, to start one, right? Um, and what we actually encourage people to do is, you know, once you've kind of got a plastic bag ban and a, and a, and a styrofoam ban in place, we actually really encourage people to focus on reuse because, Part of what we're talking about is just like, you know, the, the, just like my predecessors in the kind of zero waste movement were focused on recycling and composting. We're really urging people to focus on, on helping to create this new reuse economy. And there's lots of things that you can do, like from passing city, city policies. So we, we, we've developed some model policies for communities and cities to implement. Um, the first one is, you know, we call it our disposable free dining policy. So you can literally pass a city ordinance or community ordinance that just makes it so that when, uh, when you sit down to eat at a restaurant, you're going to be served on real cups and a real place and real cutlery, even McDonald's, even Burger King. And if it sounds crazy to you, it's already been passed <laughs> um, in, you know, I think we're up to 40 some odd communities that have already passed um, this disposable free dining measure, like two, two plus million people live in communities in the U.S. that have already passed um, that ordinance. Um, and then it goes up from there. There's lots of different things that, that folks can do. We have a, another piece of legislation uh, that we urge folks to pass, which is we call it the skip the stuff legislation, which basically means that restaurants have to ask you first before they put in all of the unnecessary cut the plastic cutlery and the napkins and the ketchup packets and all that stuff that you don't want um, when you're taking your meal to go or you're getting it delivered to your house and you know really working also to change like the the, the apps right change the the grub hubs and the seamlesses of the world and the door dashes and you know make sure that 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 folks specify that they want the, the 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 plastic cutlery before it just becomes automatic, and I think that those are some of the norms that we're working to shift. You know, just like we were our movement. I don't mean we at Upstream, but the plastic pollution movement was really able to shift norms for a lot of restaurants around no longer using straws. Um, we want to start shifting some of those other norms that a lot of restaurants and food services in the habit of doing of just giving you all this disposable stuff that you don't need or want with your meal. Like that's an easy one to fix. Right. Um, so yeah, lots of stuff that folks can do, you know, get involved in your community. You can even work directly with the restaurants that you frequent and, and just say, you know, you can direct them to some of the resources we have on our website, um, for, for helping to shift the way that those restaurants do business. So, Yeah. I, I love that you brought up the local activism. I am such a huge believer and proponent in local activism. I mean, it is truly what makes America, America. Yeah, 100%. It, it is. I, I'm a huge believer in, in federalism, and that is state's power. Yep. And so this is exactly what you do, right? You go, you talk to your state house representative, or of course you can go, you can go even more local. You can go to your city council. That's and, right. and work with them. And it sounds like that's one angle you can take, but, but that is, that's really the American way. You know, you get enough people and you lobby and you go to your, your state house representative and you let them know what, what you're concerned about. You know, you find out, do they think plastic, you know, uh, single use, uh, is, is an issue. You know, what do they think about this new, you know, reusable concept and idea? You build support, you get a, a legislator to say, yeah, you know what? 
I do believe in this cause. And now you've got yourself a sponsor. And that's how you build out at the local level for anything that you're passionate about. And I encourage people to do that. That is the most effective way. A hundred percent. Because they're going to listen to the people. They're going to listen to their constituents. They want to remain in, in office. So yeah. if you got enough people that say, hey, we want this, you're going to force them to take a look at it, Matt. Uh, absolutely. And, you know, I, I think there's, there's, you know, there's, I think there's too much emphasis in our, in our, in our role as consumers. You know, I think that, that a lot of the, you know, a lot of the messaging is, you know, shop, shop green, you know, uh, you know, buy, buy, you know, greener products. And we're really limited in how we can actually change these, these huge systems as consumers. Um, you know, I know that, that, you know, corporate America likes to say that, you know, the customer's always in charge, but the reality is, is that if you look at, at, at the, the, the manufacturing of desire, that a lot of these systems are, are built around what has been sold to us as opposed to what we have desired or, or wanted, right? Like it. And so, um, and so what we always say is like, you know, yeah, do your best to, to, to shop green. We have no problems with that, but rather than flex your, your consumer muscle, you know, we want you to flex your citizen muscles. And a lot of that has to do with, you know, getting engaged in your community um, and working at, at, at all the different levels, right? Whether it's, you know, kids working to change their school cafeterias or, you know, uh, uh, you know, working at the, at the city council level to pass, um, new ordinances or, or even just working as a, you know, in uh, working with the restaurant community to say, Hey, how can we, how can we make some shifts? Or, you know, you've got like a, a big festival in town. Hey, how can we, what, what can we do to make this more of like a zero waste festival than, than, than we did the year before? Like, you know, these are the kinds of conversations that, that really help to drive change. And it also, you know, it starts to signal to, you know, people in power that there are, there are new desires and new norms that are being created by people on the ground from the grassroots level. And that really starts to signal the shift that, hey, we, we, we got to start making some changes here and, and appeal to what, what folks are wanting at, at, the, at, the, at the grassroots and local level. Well, and you've built this community, you've built this system where you can give the local activist what they need. And you've just, I'm not going to go back through it all, but that's, that's why I want to encourage everyone to, to go back to the website and find a way to kind of connect in and get that data and then bring it back to your local level. Matt, this has just been, um, it's been fantastic. I think you could have talked for, for six hours. Yeah. It's it's my passion, and you know sometimes I I I, I tend to just dr to, to ramble on a little too much about this. Stuff, I don't think there's any rambling. I I, <laughs> I found I found myself taking uh, taking a lot of notes. I think everyone who's listening, uh, they probably took a lot of notes, and they probably have a lot of new ideas because you've really reframed this in a different way. I know for me, it, you really gave me a, a mindset shift. I think I came into this with an idea. Uh, you know, about plastics and you've kind of just turned it on its head and yeah. this is uh, much, much bigger and it's a little more exciting, honestly, to think about this kind of change rather than, yeah, we're moving away from plastic. You know, it's like, yeah, th this is more meaningful what, what you're talking about. And I, um, I'm just grateful uh, you had some time to spend with us and share this, this message of, of ups, upstream and, um, I love your tagline. There's, there's a better way than throwaway. Yeah. <laughs> thank you. Thank you so much. I, I really appreciate you reaching out and getting us on the show. And I, I think, 
you know, for me, um, you know, you're absolutely right. Like I'm, I'm way more excited about, you know, thinking about how, you know, we, we get, we get people what they want to need without the waste than I am about, you know, how do we solve, you know, the plastic in the environment. To me, it's like if, if we if we solve the former, like if we can if we can solve that question, not only do we solve plastic in the environment, you know, we drew, we reduce climate emissions, you know, we 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 reduce all kinds of waste, we reduce natural resource extraction, on all this unnecessary extraction, all the stuff we're taking from the planet. And, you know, we create new jobs, we create lots of new business opportunities, and it's more fun, and it's just a better experience. And I think, you know, I, 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 I mean, I've spent a lot of time, my whole career has been as, as an environmental activist, and, you know, I, the, the world that I really came from was kind of focused on doom and gloom, and we're going to scare people into, into, you know, behaving the right way with all of our facts. And I think the bottom line is, is that, you know, doom and gloom doesn't, doesn't inspire change. Um, you know, what inspires change is selling a, a vision of something better. And I think that's really what we're getting, getting down to. I think, you know, I, I, the analogy I like to use is, you know, I mean, Al, Al Gore, you know, really depressed us all about climate change with the inconvenient truth, but, you know, Elon Musk made, made electric cars sexy. You know what I mean? Like he, he made battery technology, you know, sexy. He made it something that people wanted to invest in and get excited about. And, uh, you know, this isn't, you know, I don't mean to, 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 you know, shoot, down, a great Al analogy. shoot down Al Gore, but, but, you know, it, it, it real things really started to change around renewable energy and, and, you know, this, you know, the new energy economy when people started selling better, you know, and they said, Hey, Oh, by the way, it's going to create a ton of jobs. We're going to cut the, we're going to not just cut, you know, forget about climate change. We're going to prevent air pollution. You know, we're going it, to, it's going to be way more fun. Like, you know, this, this electric car is actually going to go faster than your gas powered car. Um, you know, and do they ever, you know, et cetera, et cetera. Right. I mean, I, I think about, um, you know, just all the, you know, the, the battery powered, you know, uh, 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 yard tools I now have that y'all used to be gas powered and they're, they're lighter, they work better, <laughs> you know, they're, they're, they don't, I don't smell like gasoline when I'm done using them. Like, it's just, you know, th th we've seen this, this change that started to happen. And I think, you know, and again, five, 10 years, you know, we're going to, we're going to see electric cars just completely and totally take over um, gas powered cars. And so, you know, we're on the, we're on the very beginnings, like that climate movement, that stuff's been happening for, you know, for decades now, you know, we're at the very beginnings of this new reuse economy, but I, I guarantee you, your listeners, you're going to see like five, 10 years, things are going to start to look different in your community, in the airport, you know, when you're out to get a beer at the ball game, like, things are really going to look different. And you're going to remember that the first time you heard about it was right here on this podcast. <laughs> That's right. And we're going to, we'll have a follow-up just to, just to see how far we've come. Matt, this has been absolutely fantastic. And uh, I do look forward to talking to you again, sir. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Tony. Yeah. Thanks for, thanks for having me on the show.